This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible and a matching grant will double your gift. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. Beth Moore, she is one of the most popular and best known female Bible teachers in America today. As the founder of Living Proof Ministries, she's written many best-selling books and Bible studies. She's appeared for years at numerous conferences, including her Living Proof Live with Beth Moore events. And she also has a TV show on TBN called Living Proof with Beth Moore. A few weeks ago, Beth Moore made huge headlines after announcing in an interview that she was no longer a Southern Baptist. This was very big news since she was a longtime Southern Baptist who got her start in ministry at a Southern Baptist church and arguably has been the convention's most famous and most bankable female name. Now, in recent years, Moore also has made a name for herself as a very intense anti-Trumper, a Me Too advocate against sexual abuse, and a decrier of alleged sexism, misogyny, and white supremacy in evangelicalism. And many Bible-believing Christians have noticed her turn toward wokeness with increasing concern. But perhaps most concerning of all has been Moore's growing shift in influence on the issues of gender roles inside the church. While she has referred to herself as a soft complementarian, she nonetheless created a firestorm in 2019 when she tweeted that she'd be preaching at a Southern Baptist church on Mother's Day, later admitting, I have brought a message from a pulpit in an SBC church service about 15 times in 40 years, which is in direct violation of scripture like 1 Timothy 2. She also was challenged over her decision to retroactively change what she wrote in one of her books about the sinfulness of homosexuality. Well, now in the wake of her departure from the SBC, liberal and liberal-leaning women are rejoicing and hailing her as a hero. One headline in the Dallas Morning News read, Beth Moore continues a historic movement for gender equality among evangelical women. Another said, for evangelical women who feel called to the ministry, Beth Moore is an icon. So with Beth Moore as its inspiration, could evangelicalism now be poised to depart even faster and further from the authority of God's word on the issue of leadership roles in the church and even the issue of sexuality? Lots to talk about. We're going to do it this hour with Amy Spreeman. Amy is the founder of Berean Research, which exposes the deception about cults and movements, taking the visible church down a wide path away from scriptural truth. She is founder as well of Naomi's Table Bible Studies for Women and co-hosts the podcast, A Word Fitly Spoken. Amy also was part of the group of women's Bible study teachers who penned an open letter to Beth Moore on this subject of homosexuality. We're going to talk with her about that as well. And Amy, just so great to have you with us. How are you doing? Hey, Janet, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. This is great. Oh, it's great to have you here. You have been following the ministry and the theology of Beth Moore, I know, for quite a while. What are your thoughts on her recent departure from the Southern Baptist Convention? 
Well, I, I think a lot of us didn't see it coming, although she certainly had hinted uh, her dissatisfaction with the SBC and uh, the organization in general uh, over the last um, few months leading up to it. So, uh, you know, when when the church, uh, I, and I call it the visible church, Janet, because uh, certainly the Bride of Christ, the, the true church, uh, wouldn't be falling for the ways of the world. But when the visible church went uh, woke with critical race theory and feminism and intersection, Sectionality, which is finding our victimhood on a grid and then capitalizing on it. Um, you know, Beth Moore suddenly became uh, this vocal champion of the Church Two movement, which really capitalized on the tragic victimhood of women uh, and did that for the sake of, of political change. And so, uh, but you know, we are to judge the fruit of all teachers not by their humbleness or, or how great we think they are, how cool they are, or whether they're nice, but in two categories. Uh, what they teach and how they behave. And certainly this behavior has been kind of uh, shaping for a long time. So uh, when you talk about uh, comparing it to Scripture, uh, it, it just doesn't compare at all. But, uh, but yeah, she, she suddenly announced her departure from the Southern Baptist Convention uh, just a few weeks ago now, March 9th, I believe it was, and the reason that she gave was because she, uh, you know, oh, I, I speak out about abuse, you know, so that's why they, I, I no longer fit anymore. Um, she called out Christians for voting for Donald Trump after his alleged sexual escapades with women some years ago, and because of her, uh, what she called her heroic stand on racism. Uh, and so the, you know, religious new, religion news service broke a story very biased on that March 19th that Beth was officially cutting ties with the SBC and with Lifeway, which had published her books for, for many, many years. But the story was very, uh, biased, making it look like Beth was a victim of discernment bloggers and other biblical leaders, misogynists who were forcing her out, that kind of thing. Um, but the truth is, Janet, we've all been pointing out her unbiblical behaviors and teachings for years. Uh, you know, you know and she's, like you said, she's been around for decades, but um, really never really was biblical sound. But now, because of Twitter and because of how vocal she's been there, uh, we're now seeing, you know, who she is. And so, you know, she tweeted back in January, uh, uh, her tweet on uh, the allegiance among some Southern Baptists to Trump. And she said, I don't know where I belong anymore, except I belong with Jesus. I belong in his word. I belong in a local church, but I no longer belong to a system. So she was already thinking about her exit strategy back then. Well, right. It's interesting when you mention her dissatisfaction with Donald Trump because she had indicated that that whole situation and the Access Hollywood tape awakened her, as one writer put it, to the misogyny, yeah. objectification, and astonishing disesteem of women among Southern Baptist men. And I think, too, about the 2018 letter that she put out where she talked about how difficult it had been in the conservative evangelical world as a female. Uh, when I read through that, Again, I was thinking to myself, it doesn't doesn't sound that bad. I mean, <laughs> there are others of us who are in this industry and have experienced maybe the same sorts of stuff and worse, but didn't go woke over it and didn't leave our denominations necessarily over it. Not that I'm trying to discount her, her problems or what went wrong in her life with some of these men. I'm not trying to minimize that. But on the other hand, you have millions of women, as you well know, Amy, who love Beth Moore, love her teachings. There are men who love her. She has lots of followers on Twitter. She has obviously a lot of liberal-leaning women who are especially psyched about her now that she's left the SBC, leaving a lot yeah. of Christians to wonder where, where she headed. We don't quite know that yet, though, do we? 
No, we don't. Uh, you know, and right now she's being relatively quiet. Uh, you know, she hasn't really said what her plans are. I, I do know she's going to be teaching at Wheaton College in uh, Christine Kane's Propel Women uh, event called Evangelism and Leadership, I believe it is. Mm. But uh, and, and as we know, Christine Kane teaches men, too. So she uh, right. and, and she's part of a, a movement that is very concerning, uh, the, the Word of Faith and NAR, uh, New Apostolic Reformation. And so, you know, there's some concerns there because, uh, you know, actually there are several concerns with, with Beth Moore. And one of them is that she uh, teams up with known uh, false teachers. But, you know, the other ones, she preaches to men. She right. refuses to call homosexuality a sin. Uh, she uses her platforms to attack those who don't ascribe to, you know, the wokeness, the critical race theory. Um, and she attacks discernment ministries for asking her to explain herself and to clarify herself. And, of course, she uh, claims God gives her extra-biblical vision and audible words for the Church, which, of course, he uh, does not now do. He, we have his written word. Uh, the canon of Scripture is closed, and, and we can trust it as being uh, sufficient. So, Well, that's right. And and it's very, very disturbing to me to go back to June of 2020 in Christianity Today. Ryan Burge, who is an assistant professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University, had reported on a survey that he fielded with some other political scientists in 2020. And he reported that eight in 10 self-identified evangelicals said they agree with women teaching Sunday school, leading worship at church services and preaching during women's conferences or retreats. Slightly fewer, but this is still a huge number and this is really concerning. Slightly fewer, seven in 10 endorsed women preaching during church services, according to this research. Now, that really raises some red flags here because he points out that it doesn't even have much to do with the fact that people go to conservative churches, Bible-believing churches versus liberal churches or more liberal churches on the scale in evangelicalism. This means that when Beth Moore is getting hailed for her shift in gender roles and her promotion of women appearing in churches and preaching from the pulpit, she's tapping into a bigger movement. We're going to get into more on it. We're going to come back with Amy Spreeman here on Janet Mefford today. The Ministry of Preborn saves babies' lives and souls by meeting moms where they are and introducing them to their preborn babies through ultrasound. As soon as I saw that heartbeat, it was over. I cried the hottest tears I've ever cried, and I felt a fire in my belly and in my soul, and God touched me that day. He pierced my heart for my child, and I felt love. Preborn stands in the gap for abortion-minded women across America by providing free ultrasounds and the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. When a mother sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the baby's heartbeat, she'll choose life eight out of ten times. For your gift of $140 today, you can help rescue five preborn babies' lives. Call now, 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229. All gifts are tax-deductible. There's a preborn banner to click at JanetMeffer.com or call now 855-402-2229. 
Hi, this is Janet Mefford. If you're in need of a new healthcare program, but you missed the open enrollment deadline in December, it's not too late. A special enrollment period is taking place now through August 15th. During this time, you can enroll in the healthcare program of your choice without the need for a qualifying event. This means you can now enroll in a healthcare sharing program from Liberty HealthShare with memberships for individuals, couples, and families. You can find a variety of options to best suit your medical needs. Plus, you really can choose the doctor and hospital of your choice. Best of all, membership options start for as low as $199 a month. More than 200,000 Americans trust Liberty HealthShare for their healthcare needs. What are you waiting for? Discover more about the power of sharing at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT today. For more information, call 855-585-4237, 855-585-4237, or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT, libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. We are back. One of the biggest stories in evangelicalism of late had to do with the very popular women's Bible study leader, Beth Moore. Beth Moore, who does lots of conferences and appearances and has a lot of best-selling books, is extremely popular in a lot of evangelical circles. And she made a lot of waves when she announced via a Religion News Service article of a few weeks back that she is no longer a Southern Baptist after really being a very bankable star, probably the biggest female star in the Southern Baptist Convention as far as selling her materials and resources uh, through LifeWay. But Amy Spreeman is with us, and she is talking a little bit with me about Beth Moore. Now, I had quoted from this survey that was done last year, Amy, Ryan Burge and Christianity Today had indicated that three quarters, as he says, of the most devout evangelicals believe that women should have a place behind the pulpit. And of course, Beth Moore came to your attention, and I know a lot of other people's attention, a, a few years back when she had said that she had preached on Mother's Day at a Southern Baptist church and then indicated she had preached 15 times in the past 40 years. Now, I guess she was trying to minimize that that wasn't that much, but it's still 16 times that we know of that she preached from the pulpit. Let's talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say on this subject, because we're not popular nowadays, Amy. I'm looking at these figures and I'm thinking (laughs) we're, we're increasingly in the minority, but at least we're saying, let's go back to the Bible and see what the Bible actually says. Tell me your view on this whole thing. Well, I try to align my view with Scripture, Janet, I, and, you know, First Timothy 2.12 says, you know, and this is Paul telling Timothy about how we're setting up the Church, uh, and, and talking about how he does not uh, allow a woman to teach or have authority over men, and, and this is uh, in the Ecclesia, this is in the Gathering of the Church, and any time the Bible is being taught, it, women aren't supposed to be teaching men. Uh, we can teach women, we can certainly teach uh, children, but I, and I know this rubs people the wrong way, but this is what God's Word says. So right. uh, we need to align our opinions with God's Word, uh, you know, even if our flesh doesn't like it. And what, what's really interesting, though, is uh, this wave of social justice, uh, the wave washing over the modern church, really is, and this survey does not surprise me at all, it's shape-shifting the roles of men and women in the minds of people, because we're seeing feminism take over women's ministries like you would not believe, both mm. inside and then you see it outside of churches as well in ministries, and now people who once a few years ago dipped a toe in and called themselves soft complementarians, which really uh, is is not complementarian at all, they're showing their true colors, that they are egalitarians 
demanding gender equality. Um, and for those who don't know, complementarianism is just a belief that God created men and women for different purposes and that they complement each other by staying true to these God-given gender roles. And, and you know, it's biblical. It's not abusive or anything like that, uh, regardless of whether or not human beings have tainted it over the years. But, you know, these egalitarians will demand this gender equality and say, down with patriarchy is hmm. kind of their uh, buzzwords. And they'll, they'll go from claiming biblical womanhood and complementarian might set up a culture of abuse or things like that, uh, to then stating confidently a few years later where we are now that our God ordained roles are now wrong, and whatever God intended was not this, as in, did God really say? And so, hmm. you know, you're seeing this satanic movement coming in. And uh, it, and it's not <laughs> not something that we want to be following, but unfortunately, um, Beth, as you said, has a lot of fierce followers who uh, really don't like being challenged to think about what the Bible says. Well, this is important. You had mentioned scripture, and I'm going, for example, to First Corinthians 14. The women should keep silent in the churches. This is beginning with verse 34. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husband at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Then you have 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach, as you mentioned, or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So both of these passages, Amy, are teaching the same thing, that a ruling authoritative role in the church is not for women and is in fact, unbecoming to them. But this is falling on really deaf ears in the visible church now when you're looking at some of the numbers in this survey. And it is concerning because if we don't stand on the authority of God's word on what it says, how are we a church anymore? You either have a Bible or you don't, it would seem to me. And I know that we can disagree on more minor points. But if you're moving in a direction of saying, because I don't like misogyny, men have mistreated me or men sexually abused me. I'm upset about the Me Too movement. And then all of a sudden you make the leap into, therefore, women can be in the pulpit. You're not getting that from the Bible. The New Testament nowhere makes a case that women are to be in authority over men in an authoritative role in the church. It teaches the direct opposite. So what do you see going on here as far as our view of the Bible itself? Well, I think, Janet, what we're seeing is more evidence of this great falling away that uh, Jesus warned about. You know, any church with a woman pastor at the helm is not a biblical church at all. And, and you know, you, you're, I'll get grief for saying that, but, but it's true. And without fail, whenever you see women pastors or churches that allow teachers like Beth Moore to take over the helm on Sunday mornings, you look, you lift up that rock and you look underneath and you see unbiblical teachings and everything else, the false doctrines like uh, the new apostolic reformation or word of faith heresy, name it and claim it. There just aren't any doctrinally sound women teachers out there who preach to men because that would be disobedient. So, um, you know, and the trajectory, if you follow these churches along, uh, over the years, almost always leads to a weakening stance on what God calls sin, uh, you know, particularly when it comes to embracing the LGBTQ movement. Um, so again, yes. you know, Beth does teach men. She, she has for many years. Um, she started out doing this at women's conferences. She's preached at pastor's conferences. She's preached Sunday morning services, like you said. 
Um, and that all can't comes to light uh, when she tweets these things. She's proud of it. So she willingly and proudly admits that she is a woman teacher preaching in churches. Well, right. And she talked about how she was in the conservative movement, you know, most of her ministry years and tried to abide by what was expected of her, but she never kicked men out necessarily. I mean, she's kind of walked that line and, you know, said, I believe in this and I believe I'm a soft complementarian and all these kinds of things, but kind of left the question mark hanging. What, What I find interesting, Amy, is when you bring the question of wokeness into the discussion, which you have to because of all her recent comments about social justice and white supremacy in the church and all these kinds of comments. The hermeneutic of social justice is always what drives the her, the, the understanding yeah. on their part about why women should be pastors. It's not fair. I have gifts. I have abilities. God loves women too. God has given gifts to women. Why would he exclude us? But it stops there. It stops in so many ways, and I've experienced this all of my life going back to, you know, many years ago when I was more involved with uh, the liberal side of Christianity, this is what it is. It's not fair. The, the problem here is that when we're talking about women teaching men, it's a direct violation of Scripture, and it has nothing to do with whether or not you have gifts or abilities. It's a matter of right. authority and the order of creation. How do we get that message out there to a lot of women who just don't understand What's going on here as far as the lens through which a lot of these feminists are reading the Bible? Well, I I think the answer is discipleship. And unfortunately, we're not seeing a lot of that, or maybe we're seeing a shift away from that in many of these modern churches that we're... Uh, you know, in, instead of actually working with women one-on-one or in small groups to study the actual Bible, what we're studying is somebody else's opinion piece or another book about, um, you know, your feelings and your experiences. And uh, many of Beth Moore's Bible studies do exactly that. We, we talk more about, you know, the experiences and funny stories and that kind of thing. And, and we miss getting to the nuggets of truth that are sprinkled all over. I mean, the entire Bible is God's truth, is is breathed out words. So uh, it, when we get away from studying that and studying someone else's book, well, then we're really not doing Bible studies. Right. And we're really not doing the application that follows the Bible studies. You know, it's one thing to study God's Word. It's one thing to do that and then, you know, just kind of leave it there and not help women understand, hey, this is truth, and this actually has real application, ladies, to our lives today. Really good so point. We're not seeing a lot of that. And, you know, but uh, but you know, when, when Beth tweeted in 2019 that she was going to preach a, a Mother's Day Sunday sermon at her home church, uh, I believe it's Bayou City Fellowship of Texas. Uh, so anyway, I, she, she tweeted this out. She was very vague about it at first. You know, I'm doing Mother's Day. Um, but then it came out, sure enough, she was actually doing this Sunday sermon. And, you know, um, the Bible doesn't say, hey, I do not allow a woman to preach or teach the Word in, in, in a Sunday sermon, except on Mother's Day. <laughs> right. Now, that's different. Right, <laughs> so. right. Well, right. And, and you know, to be, to be fair, a lot of these churches will say, well, it's Mother's Day. You know, why not have a woman? And, and then they're trying to be just very magnanimous and very welcoming and stuff like that. But, you know, the other problem that comes along with this, Amy, is, and, and my husband and I were discussing this, we're seeing more and more in our area churches being founded by husband and wife co-pastors. Are you seeing that where you are up in the Midwest? 
Oh, yes. Over many years, I've seen that. And in my younger days of being a new Christian, I actually had joined a couple of those churches. And uh, my husband and I would sit under this, and, and you know, women were actually having ordination um, ceremonies. They, they would do be ordained ministers. And so um, this has been going on for a long time, and I think it was done quietly back then. It's uh, much more loud and proud these days. Yes, it is. It is. But again, it speaks to the wider trend of the acceptance, the growing acceptance within evangelicalism of being willing to say, yeah, why can't a woman be a pastor? Why can't a woman preach? And it would seem to me that what we need to do as Christians, as always, given any subject that comes in front of us, is to go back to God's Word, to read what it says, and to be under it. We are always under the Word of God. We are not over it, judging it. We are under it as servants of the living God. Amy Spreeman with us. You're listening to Janet Meffer today. This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible and a matching grant will double your gift. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. We are back with Amy Spreeman, founder of Berean Research, the website bereanresearch.org, exposing the deception about various cults and movements, taking the visible church down a poor path, a wide road to destruction. And she's founder of Naomi's Table Bible Studies for Women, as well as the co-host of the great podcast, Word Fitly Spoken. Amy and I are talking a little bit about the impact of Beth Moore leaving the Southern Baptist Convention, having recently in the last couple of years said things on Twitter that have been very surprising to a lot of people who have really appreciated her ministry and her books for a lot of years and maybe didn't know all of what she actually believes in in political uh, issues, as well as some of the doctrines that we all take for granted that we believe is conservative evangelicals. And Beth Moore certainly has been uh, moving or at least showing us that she has moved Uh, into this area of wokeness and especially the issue of gender roles in the church, that women should have more of a platform to be able to preach in the church, as she has admitted that she's done. Now, one of the things, Amy, you were part of this group of women's Bible study leaders, I know, who penned an open letter to Beth Moore, and this was on a related issue. People might not realize how this is related, but I'm going to get to this. Beth Moore had published a book years ago in which she had talked about homosexuality and talked about the sinfulness of homosexuality. Then it came out that portions of that book related to that issue had been removed, leading you guys to write a letter to her asking her to clarify her position on homosexuality. Can you tell listeners a little bit about what happened and why you penned that letter? Yeah, and actually the the realization that she had removed the section of, of an earlier book actually came 
after, after people had been starting to ask questions as a result of the letter. So let me back up a little bit, because in the summer of 2019, um, there were six of us. Uh, some of us were Bible teachers. Some of us were you know, bloggers or reporters, researchers. And, uh, and we had some platforms, and, and we were asked to publish an open letter to Beth Moore. Now, we did not write this. This didn't come from us, but the anonymous author knew that this letter should be devoid of all emotion or accusation. It had to be simple and kind, and it would just ask, and it had to come from women, because that's how, you know, we would be relatable. It would really work out a lot better that way. So it asked five questions, simply asking for clarification of Beth's views on homosexuality, since, you know, she maintains very public friendships now with well-known homosexuality-affirming evangelicals, such as, you know, Jen Hatmaker, Jonathan Merritt, uh, Matthew Vines, and others. And since she's been virtually silent on the issue of homosexuality when it's all around her in recent years, um, she also has a lot of uh, homosexual followers, uh, people who call themselves gay Christians. And so here are the five questions we asked. Uh, Number one, do you believe homosexuality is inherently simple? Because she's never stated anything about this. Number two, do you believe that the practice of the homosexual lifestyle is compatible with holy Christian living? Uh, Number three, do you believe a person who dies as a practicing homosexual but professes to be a Christian will inherit eternal life? Number four, do you believe same-sex attraction is, in and of itself, an inherently sinful, unnatural, and disordered desire that must be mortified? And finally, number five, uh, why have you been so silent on this subject in light of your desire to teach the Word of God? And so... For two and a half weeks after that letter was published, Beth ignored the letter, but instead she slandered the signers of the letter, and 500 additional women signed uh, you know, that they agreed with this letter after it was posted. Um, but she refused to make her position on homosexuality clear um, in any of the platforms that she had, and then couple weeks into this where she was being silent and yet, um, you know, disparaging those of us who were speaking out, uh, it was then discovered that many years ago, Beth had, in fact, biblically addressed the sin of homosexuality. Uh, It was a book she had written, I believe it was prior to 2010, and it was called Praying God's Word. Uh, but then she, we, we learned that she had later removed the section from the book because she felt that she had, quote, exceeded scripture. Um, so in this book, Beth clearly calls homosexuality a deadly sexual assault of the evil one, a sin, something that God can deliver someone from, and something that people should seek forgiveness, fullness, and complete restoration in Jesus Christ from. So she said that uh, transformation from homosexuality is possible because God's word said so, and that she personally knows plenty of believers who have been set free from homosexuality. Now, I don't know how any of that exceeds Scripture. That's exactly what Scripture says, but she removed it all. And uh, somebody had a screenshot of what used to be there, and so no word on why she removed it, and now people really began asking even more questions about this. So finally she puts out this this statement about three weeks later explaining why she'd removed this passage, and she made a very vague statement on her position on human sexuality in general, still right. not declaring homosexuality a sin, but then the statement was supposed to put an end to the questions and, you know, state her position. And so here's what she said. She said, I hold firmly to a traditional Christian sexual ethic and continue to believe the Bible sets apart marriage as a covenant between a man and a woman. 
But I also believe that Scripture clearly teaches that all sex outside of marriage is contrary to God's will. Now, if you're not a discerning person and you heard that, you'd think, oh, well, there you go. That That, puts it to bed. Yeah, Amy, that's what the revoicers would say. Right. That's what Revoice would say. We believe in the traditional Christian sexual ethic, even as they're saying that your same-sex attraction lusts are not sinful and we should rejoice and maybe we're prophets. That's exactly what the people who support Revoice said. And we know exactly where they're headed with that. And that's why it raises my concerns for sure when I look at that. Yes, and and that's exactly what she wants them to think. She's kind of the queen of vague. Uh, She will muddy the water so much that you're not really sure what she's actually saying and what she doesn't say. So she still doesn't plainly say homosexuality is a sin that must be repented of. She didn't even use the word homosexuality or any other synonyms in terms of the statement, but uh, there's still enough wiggle room in the statement that leaves the door open, right? So uh, anybody reading that can kind of say, well, uh, I guess guess that's biblical. Uh, So still to this day, this day, Janet, she has not come out and plainly just said the Bible says homosexuality in any form is a sin. Um, so, and you know, and I think that she has so many um, homosexual and homosexuality affirming followers and friends that she really doesn't want to offend them. Um, so she often crafts her statements about controversial issues in such a way as to give her this plausible deniability. If, if anybody were to ask her, she could say, oh, that's not what I meant. And so, right. yes, <laughs> well, it's right. very confusing. It is very confusing. And when she talks about exceeding scripture, you made a really good point because she she didn't exceed scripture in single out same-sex sin is particularly satanic. She, as far as I could tell, was saying things that were true. Now, whether or not she wanted to word it the same way 16-some years later or however much time had passed by is another issue. But but the problem is that, as you mentioned before, a lot of her friends uh, in particular are, are very LGBT-affirming. Jen Hatmaker, you mentioned, and Jonathan Merritt. Now, he was involved in a scandal of his own a few years back, and he's now a big apologist for so-called gay Christianity. His father is a former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And interestingly enough, a lot of people noted that in April of 2019, Jonathan Merritt tweeted out, I no longer believe Beth Moore is a human. I think she is an angelic being having a human experience. Well, it sure sounds, you know what, if Jonathan Merritt is speaking that well of you, I would imagine that um, there's not been any really problematic conversation on that particular issue between them. This is conjecture on my part, but the fact that he's very, very affirming and Rachel Held Evans really liked Beth Moore. She was a big LGBT supporter. Um, raises some questions, doesn't it? It does. And another one, uh, along with uh, Rachel and former lesbian Jackie Hill Perry, uh, they all got together in a conversation, a, a huge video that was out um, with Matthew Vines. Now, Matthew is the author of God and the Gay Christian. Yes. Uh, he's a, a homosexual himself. He's the man, a very dangerous movement uh, that he put together called the Reformation Movement to bring homosexuals into the visible church by sharing stories with pastors. You know, we just want to meet with you, pastor. Yep. Uh, or, you know, let's, let's have a group of elders, let's meet, um, getting to know them, change their minds, giving, um, you know, followers the talking points on how to use scripture or twisting it yes. uh, to talk to their own church leaders. And so, um, what's really, really interesting about this is that when she first put out those tweets uh, that were vague, many scores of people in the gay community responded to her statements yep. by thanking her for affirming them and their beliefs. I'll tell you what, I know, hold that thought. I'm so sorry. What an inconvenient time for a break, but we have to go. We're going to come back, though, with Amy Spreeman. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. Stay with us.
This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International, engaging the world with God's Word for more than 80 years. Believers in Africa are hungry to read their very own Bibles. Hear from Pastor Jeremiah in Zimbabwe. The church is growing very fast in the northern part of the country where Tsonga-speaking people and Zulu-speaking people. And, uh, you know, we find that there's a movement of the Holy Spirit there where the hunger or special hunger is very much visible. If you can imagine 10 Christians right now in many places in Africa, on average, nine have no access to the Bible. Here's Lillian in Mozambique. As we went to this church just on the outskirts of Maputo. Uh, the church had about um, about 100 people and the, the only person actually who had a Bible was the pastor. But everybody else had never seen a Bible. And that gives us motivation to want to go more, to do more, to reach to as many people as we can, you know, where God gives us opportunity to go there and just take the word of God. Through Bible studies and resources that introduce people to Jesus Christ, Bible League is faithfully discipling new believers in Kenya, Ghana, Ethiopia, and many other African countries. Here's an evangelist named Joseph in South Africa. We were in a place called Mpumalanga. The lady there is about 60, 62 years or so. She literally cried. She knelt down and she cried. She never, at the age of 60, she never had a Bible. It is so much fulfilling just to see people like her rejoicing um, when they receive their Bibles. You can be the answer to a Christian praying for God's word through Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa. $5 sends one Bible, $50 sends 10, and a matching grant will double your gift and help us reach our goal to send 1,500 Bibles. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now here's Janet. We are back. Boy, this hour is going fast. Amy Spreeman is joining us from Berean Research, and A Word Fitly Spoken is her podcast. We are talking about Beth Moore leaving the Southern Baptist Convention, and where is she likely to take evangelicals? She's very, very influential as a popular Bible teacher for women, and yet she has shown that she is also for a more liberal view of women's roles in the church, having preached at Southern Baptist churches and 15 times in 40 years at churches, according to her own Twitter feed. And we're talking Talking a little bit about some of these issues pertaining to women's role in the church and also the issue of homosexuality, because those two go together. And Amy, th- this is a really important point. I had mentioned before this reference to the hermeneutic of social justice. And there was a writer, John Pless, he's a, a staff faculty member at Concordia Seminary in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he had talked about the connection between women's ordination, that is support for women in the pulpit, and the ordination of homosexuals and the blessing of same-sex unions. And he was talking in this article that I had read about why those two things often go together. And one of the points he made is it's a matter of social justice. In other words, they're using the same hermeneutic. It's not fair that my gifts and my abilities cannot be used to the full extent of, you know, heterosexual males or men in the church or however, you know, whoever the bogeyman is in your particular scenario. And both of these movements, he pointed out, have been fueled by powerful liberationist movements within the culture rather than by biblical understanding. Is that not why these two issues matter and why it matters, I think, to keep an eye on where Beth Moore is going, because I think she's completely right in the middle of the cultural movement that has taken evangelicalism by storm. 
I agree with you, Janet. Uh, and really, and again, I, I want to go back to there's no such thing as a gay Christian. Right. Um, but in social justice, there is. You know, there, there are gay affirming churches, actually. And I put uh, bunny ears or scare quotes around uh, the word church because uh, we're really seeing uh, the backing away of the sufficiency of Scripture and, and believing, you know, in the, in the progressive movement, um, Scripture doesn't matter. It, it's what we feel is right. Um, not just what we feel, but what we feel is right in our own minds. We're wise in our own minds in the progressive movement. And so um, when you have uh, women being ordained as pastors or women speaking on a Sunday morning in the pulpit, um, these churches are run by usually weak men who abscond their male biblical authority in the church to women. And you're, you're seeing this whole rainbow, and I don't use that word lightly, this rainbow kaleidoscope of other ideas coming in. And it usually leads to, uh, almost always in, in every case I've seen, uh, it usually leads to affirming homosexuals in the church. And so uh, when the gay community um, thanks Beth Moore for some of her tweets affirming them. She never corrects them. Hmm. But when she takes those tweets away, when she kind of hides the evidence, uh, then people who are uh, in the, the homosexual community scolds Beth. And Matthew Vines himself has scolded Beth Moore for removing some of her tweets that uh, seem to be uh, gay-affirming. And well, so yeah. um, she, she really likes to ride that fence, though, because she wants to please everybody. That's a good point. Here's something else that I found very interesting. Another thing that Professor Pless said about the similarity in the hermeneutics of social justice that drive both women's ordination and also the acceptance of homosexuality in the church is he pointed out that with both, opponents of women's ordination and those who resist the acceptance of homosexuality as a moral equivalent to heterosexuality are both labeled as fundamentalists and legalists. Yeah. Well, let me go back to what Beth Moore said. You were quoting from this earlier, why I removed some of my commentary from a chapter of Praying God's Word, her book from years back, and she took out that section on homosexuality. She says in this blog post, I must tell you that I'm weary of our blind spots, weary of my own. Here is what I no longer have the stomach for after the last several years, the hypocrisy burgeoning from hyper-fundamentalist Christianity. It's like, okay, well, there it is. And I've seen her say similar things. When people start attacking fundamentalists, you know that you got some kind of an issue going on there. Well, what they're really attacking is the Bible itself, the, the authority of Scripture. And Christians are to be truth speakers, truth seekers and speakers. We speak the truth lovingly and kindly, but we speak it directly and clearly. We let our yes be yes and our no be no. We don't use language uh, to muddy the water. Uh, we don't tweet out things that could be taken two different ways or, you know, depending on what the person reading it wants it to mean. Um, one of the dire warnings about, you know, people who think that they're, uh, you can be gay and Christian comes in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Um, and it says this, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those habitually drunk, nor verbal abusers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's a mighty long list, Janet, but the next words are also fundamentally true. And this is the hope that uh, by Beth Moore embracing this homosexual uh, audience, that she denies them this hope because God says, 
such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Mm. And so to be a fundamentalist means to hold to these dear truths and to live by them. And sure. she's denying them the idea that you can have hope and you can be saved out of this, that you can, you don't have to have homosexuality be your identity. You get a new identity in Jesus Christ. Well, and can the gospel truly transform people who mm. are struggling with any sin and bring them into a new life of G- in Jesus Christ? And I've seen lots and lots of people who have left behind a life of homosexuality. It is possible yeah. to live a new life in Christ. And that is the hope that we have. And yet, you know, as we're wrapping things up, Amy, and I knew it was going to go lightning fast with you, <laughs> but f- I am not unaware that there are lots and lots of women probably listening to us who say, I really like Beth Moore. She's taught a lot of good things too. And why are you bashing her? The point is not to bash Beth Moore, but to kind of shine a light on the issue of liberalizing evangelicalism, again, on these issues of women's roles in the church and also on homosexuality and how Beth Moore has become kind of in the spotlight because of these issues and and is someone to watch. What do you say to those women about, hey, uh, Beth Moore has taught a lot of good things, Amy. Why are you going after her? Well, it's not that we're going after her, but we do need to warn against people who teach falsely or who behave falsely. Why do we do that? Not to be mean, but because we love Christ. We love the church. We love the women that we're, we're sharing this with. We know they're hard conversations, but it's biblical to have these words with friends. You know, Jesus himself warned against false teachers, and so did Paul. He warned against false teachers. Right. Peter, Jude, you know, most of the books of the Old Testament and the New warn against false teachers and false doctrine um, behavior that is not in line with Scripture. Um, And I know, you know, she's beautiful and she's funny. She certainly is, all of those things. Um, And she's defended fiercely by her loyal followers. But as Christians, no matter how much we love a certain teacher, our highest love and loyalty must always always be to Jesus Christ and His Word first, which means, ladies, that we must reject anything, even our most beloved teachers, if they are at odds with Him and the Scripture. Amen. And you know, I think it really is important. You had mentioned men dropping the ball in a lot of respects, not wanting to take on this issue because they don't want to make the women upset. Uh, That's an issue for another day that bugs me to no end. (laughs) Men, speak up. Speak up already. But I also think it's incumbent upon women who are listening, who cannot defend the issues that we're talking about and cannot go back to Scripture and show why it is ironclad that we do not have any right to look at the Bible and say it allows women to be pastors and leaders in the church. In fact, the Bible teaches the opposite. This ought to, I think, inspire the women listening. Go back to your Bible and master your Bible on this subject. And I'll tell you why. It's not because of any other reason, but as you said before, Amy, that we love Christ, but that we are to obey the Lord. This is what the Lord Jesus said, that if we love him, we obey his commandments. We cannot cherry pick what we want to obey in his word and what we choose to discard because it's not culturally cool. This is the problem. We need to eschew the world on these issues. The world is not our leader on any of these issues. The Bible is the lead on all of these issues because it is God's holy word. And boy, I'll tell you what, Amy, I really 
really appreciate all the great work you are doing over at BereanResearch.org and also on your podcast, A Word Fitly Spoken, with Michelle Leslie, whom I also really, really treasure. Thank you so much for being with us. And unfortunately, we've come to the end of our hour. But Amy, I'd love to have you back. I appreciate all of the great work that you do. And people can visit your website, again, BereanResearch.org. She's got some great articles there and great resources for you to become more grounded in the truth of God's word. Amy Spreeman, thank you so much, Amy, for being with us. It was really a delight to have you. Thank you, Janet. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Janet Mefford today. It is always our honor to have you here. Thanks a lot for being with us, and we'll see you next time. This hour of Janet Mefford today has been brought to you by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible, and a matching grant will double your gift. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD.